0: I took my troubles to the Lord, I cried out to Him, and He answered my prayer. I looked to the mountains, does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to
1: the house of the Lord. Those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated, but will endure forever.
0: Today we are continuing our series, Mixtape Volume 1. We began in Psalm chapter 120, and there are 15 psalms that are dubbed the Songs of the Ascent. And throughout this series, what we've looked at is those songs that really kind of formed a mixtape or a hymnal, if you will, for the people who went to Jerusalem for the annual feast, the Passover in the spring, Pentecost in the summer, the Feast of Tabernacles in autumn, and the pilgrims, uh, the those that would gather, they would sing these songs together as they journeyed in family groups to Jerusalem. And this helped really to focus their minds on what the Lord has done for their nation. Now, if, if, if you grew up in church like I did, the church. I mean, think about it. Technology has changed over time. How many remember when we used to have like an overhead projector up on the stage, and it was a big deal when I was a teenager. If you got to go, if if, if the pastor lets you like go and 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 change the slides up there, you know, you got that that you felt like you were part of the band or something. But uh, then we got computers and PowerPoint, and now we have uh, you know slideshows and uh, all those kinds of different things that we can do a little cool moving backgrounds behind the lyrics. It's amazing. And uh, But when I was growing up, um, we used a hymnal. In fact, if you grew up in the Assemblies of God and uh, in the era that I did, there's a good chance that you used a hymnal like this called hymns. Of glorious praise. Has anybody ever seen this? Hymns of glorious praise. I remember going, uh, you know, to different churches at diff- for different things growing up, and sometimes my papa, he was a pastor, and he would preach out, and we'd go listen to him, and and there would be a church that had melodies of praise, like melodies of praise predated hymns of glorious praise, but this book was produced by the Assemblies of God, and and it was uh, it was a Produced by the publishing arm of the Assemblies of God and the song leader would tell you to turn to page 255. We sing a little I fly away there if it and let me give you a, a, a clue. It wasn't really the page number. They would say turn to page 255. But it wasn't the page, it was the hymn. The hymn was numbered because sometimes there were two hymns on the same page and so you couldn't really say it was the page number, it was the hymn number, but that's what the song leader would say and so uh, that's how it happened. In our hymnal, Hymns of Glory's Praise, hymn number 206 was Amazing Grace. If we were making a mixtape of all time classic hymns, you would have to put Amazing Grace on it. Our version only had four verses. It wasn't until years later that I actually discovered that there were more verses to Amazing Grace. Uh, One of those verses that, uh, in fact, Chris Tomlin kind of made it uh, famous when he took the verses, uh, added a course to Amazing Grace and uh, called My Chains Are Gone and, and, and made it popular. But one of the verses was called The Earth Shall Soon Dissolve Like Snow the sun forbear to shine, but God who called me here below will be forever mine. What imagery, what powerful imagery when you think about the earth dissolving like snow and the sun, uh, you know, not shining and all of this different things. Songwriters, psalmists, poets, authors have used power of figurative language to create visual imagery for years. Great songs like Amazing Grace are a great example of this technique. In fact, today's song on our mixtape, volume one, the songs of the ascent, is full of this kind of imagery. If you look at Psalm 130, it says, From the depths of despair, O Lord, I call for your help. Hear my cry, O Lord. Pay attention to my prayer. Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who, O Lord, could ever survive? But you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. I'm counting on the Lord. Yes, I'm counting on him. I have put my hope in his word. I long for the Lord more than centuries long for the dawn. Yes, more than centuries long for the dawn. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is unfailing love. His redemption overflows. He himself will redeem Israel from every kind of sin. Psalm 130, it really emphasizes what God does for helpless people who cry out to him for mercy. This Psalm puts us in four really different settings to make some significant points. And so I'm going to break those down for you today. In verse one, it says, from the depths of despair, O Lord, I call for your help. Hear my cry, O Lord, pay attention to my prayer. Now the picture, when you see... Depths of the despair, and, and I'm not talking about Anne of Green Gables. Okay, for all of you people who have seen that show, I'm not talking about those depths of despair. I'm talking about the the that this is a picture really of a person that's drowning, unable to stand on the bottom or unable to swim to safety. Depths for the Hebrew would refer to deep waters. Whether they be the ocean or a flood, suggested here is life-threatening danger to the ancient Israelite. And so what we see in this passage of scripture, and you can write this down this morning, is we see that we're moved from death to life. The tense of the verb cry, now I'm getting a little technical with you this morning, but I want you to see something today. It indicates that the writer has been crying in the past and continued to cry out as he wrote this psalm. Because without God's merciful intervention, he would have died. But he remembered the prayer of Solomon when the king dedicated the temple and he knew that God's eyes were upon him and that his ears were open to cries. In Psalm 34, verse 15, it says, the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. Now we can cry out to God from the depths of despair, from the depths of our disappointment, from the depths of our defeat, and from the depths of our fear and our perplexity. Like a heavy weight, sin drags its victim to the but God made us to the height. And so there's an opposite effect here. I love what Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Oh, maybe your translation says it like this. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. He says they will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Colossians chapter Three, verse one, Paul's talking to the church at Coloss and he says, since you have been raised to new life in Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. So God can take you from the depths of despair to life more abundantly in him. Are you with me this morning? Let's move on to verse three and four. I'm going quick today. Some of you are thinking, man, wow. Wish you'd done this for the last nine years, pastor. Uh, he says, Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who, O oh Lord, can't, could ever survive, but you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. Now, the psalmist moves from the depths of despair, from the, from the ocean, to now a courtroom setting. So how do you know that? Because of the word Record. But there, the, the sinner, us, could not stand because of the guilt. And so I want you to see through these verses today that God moves us from guilt to forgiveness. Oh, this is going to free somebody today. Because some of you are still walking in the guilt of the sins of your past, but when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that sin is gone. Hallelujah. The only way we can get rid of the sin record... The only way that we could get rid of the sin record is to come to God for his gracious forgiveness. And that forgiveness is made possible because of the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. I want you to see Romans chapter four, verse four. It says, when people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they've earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work. Not because of their work. Some people try to work their way into Christianity. They try, man, if I just serve at the church enough, if I just give this much money to United Way, or if I give this much money to charity, if I, if I just give this much money and put this much food in the whole box and I do all of these things, you know, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. And, I, and surely I will get to heaven because I'm a good person. Listen, there's no amount of good in this world without the grace of God. And I want you to understand, he says, wages are something that, that, that are not a gift. You earn those. When you get that paycheck at the end of the month, you know. Come on, educators. You, I know you guys only get paid once a month. When you finally get that paycheck that's going to come in on Tuesday, come on, somebody, you get excited about that. There's something. Not Tuesday. That that's a different. In a couple of weeks. I'm sorry. I'm already in the in the twentieth. On the 25th or the 26th, whenever yours comes in, I'm telling you, you get excited about that. Can I get an amen? But you've earned that. You've worked for it. You you you've written. Lesson plans. If you work in a place where you get paid weekly, and I'm W-E-E-K-L-Y, I know some of you think you get paid weekly, like really weekly, W-E-A-K, but I'm talking weekly by you know, day t- days and times right there, okay? When people work, their wages are not a gift, it's something they earn. But I want you to see verse five. He said, people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith. Because they believed in God who forgives sinners. He says in verse 6, David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record... Has, 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 the Lord has cleared of sin. I mean, you didn't even have to go to defensive driving to get that record clear, okay? All you had to come is boldly before the throne of God and say, God, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me of my sins? I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you died and that you rose again. Look at verse three again. He says, Lord, if you kept a record of our sin, who, oh Lord, could ever survive? Oh, could you imagine if we just replayed your life right here? back on the screen, if we put it on the screen right here and we saw everything that you did when you were 17. I tell my friends all the time, I am so glad we didn't have these when I was 17. (laughs) Come on, I wasn't a bad kid. I didn't go out smoking, drinking, chewing and and all that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you, I got into some mischievousness stuff that I don't want on social media now. I don't want that on social media. I don't want, I don't want 20 years later, somebody like you pulling out a video from 17-year-old Rusty or 20-year-old Rusty or 21-year-old Rusty. I'm just telling you, Jesus was still working on me and he's still working on me. But he says, who could survive? God has the power. He has the ability to keep a record of our sins. He's God. But the good news is, Is he doesn't? He's ready to forgive. He's ready to wipe that slate clean. Faith in Jesus brings forgiveness to the soul. God casts out our sins, sins, and He blots them out of His record. He blots them out of His book. If you look at Psalm one oh three, verse eleven, it says, "For His what His unfailing love." Toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed, and I love this scripture, He has removed our sins as far away from us as the east is from the west. That's amazing. That's the grace of God in our life. He carries them away as far as the east is from the west. In fact, Micah seven verse nineteen says he casts them into the sea. In Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-four, and in Hebrews ten, seventeen, it says that he holds them against us no more. Some of you have been beating yourself over up. You've been walking in guilt. You've been walking in condemnation and shame. And let me give you good news this morning. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the power of the life-giving spirit has freed us from the power of sin that leads to death. Come on, somebody, give him praise this morning. This is not a blessing to be taken lightly for it costs God his son so we ought to love and fear him. If we take seriously the guilt of sin, we will take seriously the grace of forgiveness. Salvation was and is a costly and serious transaction. So that let's move on, verse five. He says, I am counting on the Lord. Yes, I am counting on him. I have put my heart. Hope in His Word. I long for the Lord more than centuries long for the dawn. Yes, more than centuries long for the dawn. So they say that twice. So it's important. From the courtroom, we now move to the city walls. Now, in 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 ancient times, in ancient Israel and Jerusalem, there would have been walls on the city. And then what would happen is they would have had centuries, or they would have watchmen. So maybe your translation says watchmen the watchmen would be on the wall and they were looking out into the night and they would look for um, robbers, those maybe an army that would come to attack. And so they would stand on the walls and they would look through the darkness to detect any danger that's coming. So when he's talking about the dawn how centuries long for the dawn, what he's talking about is us moving from darkness, write that down, to light. Now put yourself in their position. When you get into your car at night, last night I had to get in Kenzie's car, and once I put the seat back to normal people height, uh, um, you know, and got in the car, now my, my truck, I have my lights set on auto, That's one of the greatest things. I mean, if you can tell whoever builds these cars, you guys that work in the car industry, that was the most great thing in the world because you never have to worry about your lights turning off. So I leave mine on auto all the time. I never worry about it. If somebody gets in my truck to drive it and they turn the lights off, it messes me up the next time it's it's night. So I don't worry about it. Kenzie doesn't. She's Turns it off and turns it on. So I get in her car last night, just pull her around the neighborhood, and, and it starts beeping on me. It starts letting me know that there's no light. Now I, I, I'm not paying attention. There's enough residual light from from the street lights in our neighborhood and from people's houses in our our neighborhood that I I could see. But man, when I turned on the lights, it was like whoa, I can really see now. Like I, I, I you know I, I thought I thought it was. It's amazing. So we have headlights on our cars. I don't know if you've ever used a pair of night night vision goggles, where you can see it's kind of you know green there, but you can kind of see in the in the dark of night. But let's go back two thousand years plus when this was written. Put yourself in their position. The only uh, light would have been from a fire, or maybe uh, the reflection of the sun off of the moon some moonlight, maybe the stars in the sky. Night would have been the time when they were most vulnerable. Nothing they did could make the sun come up any sooner. So the dawning of a new day would have been an opportunity for them to celebrate because the city was safe for another night. He says, I I want you to see that again. He said, I long for the Lord more than centuries long for the dawn. The centuries long for the dawn because they knew that meant that they were probably safe for one more day. So the nodding of a new day would have been an opportunity for rejoicing. When the Lord forgives sinners, it is for them the dawning of a new day. As they move out of darkness into marvelous light. First Peter chapter 3 verse 9 or First Peter chapter 2 verse 9, but you are not like that for you are a chosen people. You are royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession, and as a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he has called you what out of darkness into light. Moving from darkness to light, the forgiven sinner is content to wait on the Lord for whatever he has planned for that day. God, I'm yours. God, I'm yours, whatever you want from me. This is not the waiting of hopeless resignation, but of hopeful anticipation. For each new day brings new blessings from his hand. Lamentations chapter three, verse 22. The faithful love of the Lord never never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. God, I've got good news. God didn't run, run out of mercy yesterday. God didn't run out of mercy yesterday. God has mercy for today. And guess what? If you, if you test him again today and you weigh and you ask the Lord again, hey God, I, I just, I messed up today. I've fallen short. You know, please forgive me. I, I said some things that I shouldn't have said. I had a little road rage today. And, and I, I, you know, I feel bad about that. I, you know, uh, you know hit my thumb with my, with my hammer and, and I said some things I shouldn't have said today, God. Would you forgive me? Guess what? His mercy's anew. It's fresh. We can rejoice because we know despite all the darkness around us, God's mercy, he has never ceased. It never stops. His mercy is new every morning. I was talking with one of my friends here this week, and he, he reminded me one, that, that these verses were actually written in the book of Lamentations. It's a book of lamenting. So in the middle of your lamenting, In the middle of your belly aching, in the middle of your complaining, in the middle of your oh me, oh my, all my stuff, all my things that have happened, guess what? God's mercy is still new. In the midst of your sorrow, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your triumph, in the midst of your joy, in the midst of all the things that you have in your life when the bills are stacked high and when you've got money in the bank account, his mercy is still new every morning. We may feel like we are in the darkness, ready to be attacked, but I want you to understand that God's mercy is still great. It's still faithful. It still never ceases. Amen. Verse seven. O Israel, he says, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is unfailing love. His redemption, key word there, overflows. He himself will redeem Israel from every kind of sin. So, so far we've been in the depths of the sea. Then we moved into the courtroom. Then we moved uh, again to the city wall as a lookout, as a watchman. And this final bit of imagery would take us, now we wouldn't recognize this in our modern day, but I want you to understand for where they were at. And when you look at it through the lens of ancient Israel, This final bit of imagery would take us to a slave market. Let that sink in. We see the theme of redemption. The word redemption for them would have meant setting someone free by paying a price. So when a slave was redeemed, a slave would be set free. He would no longer be a slave. So this last one takes us from bondage to freedom from bondage to freedom. Israel knew a great deal about God's redemption for during the Exodus, God's power had set them free from the tyranny of the Egyptians. They had no hope and they could not free themselves, but the Lord did it for him. We we talked about it this morning. How how he, he we were able to walk through. We sing about it, walking through on dry gl- ground, you know, because because there wasn't there wasn't a road, and all of a sudden God parts the sea and He makes a road. There's something powerful about that. He redeemed them. He gave His people abundant redemption. That included freedom because they were slaves. They were free from slave. They had victory over their enemies, and they had a promised land as their home. So this is ultimate abundant redemption. The slave had no hope, but the child in the family looks forward to receiving an inheritance. Now that, you know, you can say whatever, but we're talking about, you know, their day and time. All right. I, 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 I tell my folks all the time or tell my people, I'd rather have you than have your stuff and if you've ever had somebody who who passed away you understand that mag, that that thought in our society the slave has no hope all who trust jesus christ are children in god's family and guess what they're not slaves their future is secure are you with me today Amen. look at galatians chapter 3 verse 26 i want you to see this he said for you are all children of god Through faith in Christ Jesus and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. So the psalmist saw a future redemption for the people of Israel. They were no longer going to be slaves, but guess what? It wasn't just slaves to an earthly master. It was, it was a slave to the sin of their life, and we had the same hope that they were able to have because we had the hope that comes from Jesus Christ. As Christian believers, we look forward to the coming of Christ and the redemption that he will bring. If you look at Romans 8, verse 18, it says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. I want you to think about that. We talked about persecution. Last week, we talked about persecution. And he says, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day When God will reveal who His children really are. Against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from decay and death. For we know that our creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time, and we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we Long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as His adopted children, including the new bodies He has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently. And So I want you to see something. God God has given us this, this opportunity here that when we come to Christ, we are no longer slaves to sin, but we're set free and we're set free to a future home. We're set free to the blessed hope that we have in Jesus Christ, that this world's not our home. We're just passing through. We're gonna get there someday. But while we're here, we get the Holy Spirit that's inside of our hearts. That's just a little taste of what is to come. Come on, can you stand and give God praise for his word today? God, we thank you today for your word. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. God, we acknowledge you and we bless your name today. God, I just thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you you take our darkness and you turn it to light. You take our guilt and you give it to forgiveness. You take our death and bring us to abundant life in you. You take our bondage and you turn it into freedom. God, there's nothing that's too hard for you. With your heads bowed and eyes closed today, we talked about wages just a few moments ago and Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're watching online today, or you're in this room today and you know you need to make things right with the Lord. I believe He's ready to forgive you. As we said earlier, his mercy is new every morning. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm, I need to recommit my life to the Lord. I need to commit my life to the Lord. In a moment, I want to count to three. And if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. We're going to pray a prayer together. Those of you that are watching online, if you want to just send an email to prayertohopefamily.tv to respond to the message this morning. But if that's you today, would you, would you raise your hand when I say three, if you're in this room or send an email if you're watching online today, we want to pray with you. If that's you. Ready to commit your life to Jesus. When I say three, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. Anyone in this room? Yes. Anybody else today? I'm ready to commit. I'm, I'm ready to give my heart to the Lord today. Anybody that's online today, would you just that? I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer with me today. Would you say, dear Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died, rose again, and you're the Lord of all thank you for saving me thank you for setting me free in Jesus name amen I'm going to go somewhere with this story today but I want you to I want I want, I want to use this as a, as a little bit of an illustration we got here this morning I, I came in at about some, a few minutes before seven o'clock started turning the lights on and there was a stupid cricket. And it was rubbing its legs together or whatever, and it was chirping. It was singing. The band shows up at about 7.45, 8 o'clock, and it chirps our entire practice. 8 to 9. 9 o'clock, we're in prayer, and it chirped the entire prayer meeting. That thing, that thing did not shut up One of the things that we do every Sunday morning during our prayer meetings, we walk these chairs and we pray, not for the chairs, we we pray for you, the people that are gonna sit in the seats. So we're walking the chairs and I did these two sections and I'm, I'm walking back and I get to about where Sonny is and I had it with that cricket. And I just said, I just started praying against that thing. I said, you know, God, I pray that idiot cricket would shut up and, and I get up here and everybody's standing right here and people that are here is my witness. I said, I rebuke that cricket in Jesus name. And then as soon as I said it, it stopped and it has not started. I, I think it might've it was one of, one of the people that were standing out said, the waters are troubled. What does that mean? I mean, God is here. I don't know if it was just a cricket. I'm, I'm choosing to believe by faith that the prayer, the faith, I'm telling you, I was desperate because I didn't want you to sit here and listen to this and then have to listen to that as well. And we couldn't find it. We looked everywhere. We, we were convinced it was in the attic because it just would not stop. I mean, I looked in the baptistry, I I mean, everywhere, we were coming around. I even had Pastor Ben, because I thought I saw it like coming up here about where Jared's standing in the middle of worship. I said, Pastor Ben, can you come look and see if you can find this bug that's over here or whatever. So frustrating. But I want you to know something. With faith, all things are possible. I think God can shut the mouth of a cricket I think he can provide for your needs. I, can, I, I believe that God can heal your sickness and your disease. I, I believe that whatever you're going through in this life, that there's power available to you. Scripture says, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, it quickens our mortal bodies. There's new life in Christ. So this morning, Tisha's gonna sing the song that we sang earlier today called The Goodness of God. And you know, I get it. There've been times that I've been sitting in church and I didn't wanna talk about the goodness of God because of what I was going through in my life. I couldn't see the goodness of God because of the pain, because of the struggle, because of the junk and the stuff. And it, it, it was hard for me. But I want you to know that even when my problems are, are great, God is greater. Even when the mountains that I face are big, my God is still good. And so today I wanna pray with you. So here's here's the altar today. I finished a little early. I understand that. If you're online, put a message to Pastor Ben. He wants to pray with you. If you're in the room today and she begins to sing, I'm gonna ask you to get out from where you're standing. If you need prayer for anything, I want you to come. The waters are trouble. I believe God wants to move in your life today. I believe God wants to touch you today. So, would you get out from where you're standing? Would you come down to this altar and allow me the opportunity to pray a prayer of faith with you today as she begins to sing? I
1: love you, Lord. Oh
0: come on anybody else this morning and you need prayer God is good In the middle of 21 days of prayer and fasting, today is day eight. If you didn't pick up a book last week, there's some on the back table, or you can go to connectedhope.com and follow along with us. We threw a little carrot out there that if you do the whole 21 days of devotion, bring it back to us and show us that you've done it. That uh, on the first Sunday in September, we will we will actually uh, give out a $100 Visa gift card. We know we all could use that right now, Amen. And um, I want you to understand something. There's power when we agree together. There's power when we pray together. Wednesday night we had a powerful prayer time and uh, worship from seven to eight. So if you could if you could come this week and join us, we sing a few worship songs and then we get right into praying. And eight o'clock we're we're finished. And um, I just believe in God for amazing things for our church in the days, in the weeks ahead. So I invite you to do that. I wanna, I wanna close today because I, every week we, we do what I would call the priestly blessing where I say may, may the Lord bless you, may He keep you, may he make your face shine down upon you, be gracious to you and give you peace. When I was growing up, our church uh, was singing one of the songs in this book called Blessed Assurance, and we would end with, uh, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. That was our benediction. So sometimes when you go through benedictions like that, and it's the same that we, we we miss the significance or the importance of it. And so when I say that every Sunday, I'm not just saying that because it's habit or ritual, but I, I, want, I want you to be blessed. That's my heart, that, and that's not only the heart of your pastor, that's the heart of the Father. That's the heart of God today. So I'm gonna ask you to do something a little bit different today. We've never done it this way before and it's okay, but would you just hold your hands out like you're making a cup today? And when I pray for you this morning, I want to pray that God bless you. I want to pray that he bless you and your family in in marvelous ways. Father, you, you hear our prayers. You hear the cry of the shepherd's heart. You hear the cry of your children. And today, Lord, I see the needs. I see the the triumphs, I see the tragedies, I see the successes, I see the failures, I see the joy and I see the pain. I see when times are good and I see when times are bad, God. And throughout all of those moments of life, you are with us. You've taken us, God, from darkness to light, death to life from bondage to freedom you've taken us Lord from guilt to forgiveness and so now Lord I ask today that you would bless your children I ask today that you give them a special grace I ask today that those that have been feeling guilty because of their past would become hopeful because of their future. I pray today, God, that you would make your face shine down upon your church, your people. I pray that you would give them peace. I pray that you would keep them. I pray today that you would make a table for them in the presence of their enemies. I pray today the goodness and mercy follow them all the days of their life. I pray that they would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I pray God you would give them peace. Church family, I bless you in Jesus name. May he bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine down upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace in the wonderful Marvelous name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, give him one more praise today. As you're dismissed today, turn and greet somebody today. Those of you who are there online, God bless you. We'll see you next week.